Hello Gasheads and welcome to this week's episode of Gascast, which, what with one thing and another, is our first episode in what will hopefully be a much brighter 2021 for us all. And what better way to kickstart Gascast New Year than to be back talking all things Rovers with this evening's guests, Harley Thorne and Max Alderson. Up the gas. Up the gas. This episode is once again sponsored by Kahuna Flooring, who will give you an incredible 10% off your new flooring when you use the code GASCAST. Kahuna can supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or workplace, and Steve comes to you with a sample selection service to offer deals on carpets, vinyls, LVT, such as Candine and Amtico, engineered wood, and more. So get in touch with Steve today on 07917 to take advantage of this amazing deal. Let's have a chat about our pros and cons from Blackpool, shall we? Pros and cons and cons and pros and pros and cons and pros. Pros and cons. So then, on Saturday, the gas made it back-to-back home wins by turning over the Tangerines 2-1, our first back-to-back victories at the Mem in any competition since October 2019. Um, Harley, let's get the bad bits out of the way first. Uh, give me your con from the game, please. Well, I think the only thing that I can possibly be negative about is the finishing, really. I mean, we came out in the second half all guns blazing, and ultimately we should have put the ball in the net about three times in the first five minutes. So, yeah, that has, has to be a con for me. Okay, and what about you, Max? Um, definitely the first half hour wherein it really should have been game over within 20 minutes. Um, we really can't afford to be starting games that sluggish because we will be punished. If they'd scored a second, I really don't think we would have gotten anything out of the game. So for me, it was a pretty unacceptable um, opening half hour of the game. Um, and I was surprised we recovered. But uh, yeah, it was pretty negative. I, th- I think that's a bit harsh, though. I mean, I, f- I feel like we were... Whilst I, I, I agree that they were largely on top, I do think that we still came out with the right mentality. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree with what you're saying as well. But I just, I think we must remember that as a team that was in free fall not so long ago, we are showing the right intent. And I do think we had some chances in that first half, like the first 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like the first five minutes, I thought we, we looked at it. Um, and then it was just it was just abysmal after that. I think for about 25 minutes, just dreadful. We really should have been out of sight. And then for me, it was as bad as anything under Ghana. We couldn't keep the ball. We weren't winning any second balls and gaining possession. Anytime we did get it, we couldn't string two passes together. Um, and defensively, we just kept inviting them on. And, you know, the, in the box defensively, we afforded them far too much space and they really should have finished more chances. So, yeah, I mean, it was okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we kind of on the half hour mark decided to show up because if we hadn't it really would have been you know almost a mirror image of say that Gillingham game or the MK Dons game where we were just started bad got punished game over so Harley you're gonna absolutely hate this but I have a breakdown of the XG from the game in front of me here uh, from the first half in particular (laughs) and I'm just gonna go through it now quickly so for anyone who doesn't know XG basically is 
gives a value to every shot taken in a game and it's essentially the percentage uh, chance of that shot going in if it was taken, say, 100 times or so. So, uh, obviously, Blackpool took the lead. Then they had a big chance. It was 25% likelihood of going in and then an 11% chance and then a 13% chance. We basically didn't have a shot in that first half that was any decent at all apart from the two goals. So we had four shots in the first half Two of them were obviously the goals. And then the other two was a 2% chance of going in and a 3% chance of going in. Um, yeah, that was it. So, I mean, in terms of chance creation, we literally created nothing other than those two goals. That's, in a way, that you can spin that into a positive, though, because the fact that we played so poorly and still managed to score two goals is, you know, you can spin that into a good thing. But yeah, I'm just saying the stats, the XG probably backs up Max. Rather than you, Harley, what's your defence of the XG stats? I think XG is as important as I did before this podcast, which is that it's complete and utter nonsense. And I'm sure that everyone listening will agree with me. <laughs> it's not nonsense, though. We, we, we did nothing at all for half an hour, and I was pulling my hair out. Um, before we scored the goal, I was literally saying to myself, this is literally as bad as we were under Ghana. It's just dreadful. So we didn't create anything. We couldn't really defend and it should have been game over. So but, for me, it was aren't, a pretty unacceptable start. Are you not being a bit unfair on the fact that Blackpool are a decent side and they were good in well, the first they're only, day? They're only halfway up the table. If we keep saying that to, to most of the sides in the division, you're basically saying that we deserve to be in the bottom third. I thought they looked pretty good. I thought, yeah, they I thought their attacking play was decent. I, I'm not sure what... Wait, yeah, we failed to put our... We we kind of lost control of the game for like like a bit of a period of it, but we were whilst we may not have had any shots according to this nonsensical stat, um, we definitely got the ball down. We definitely got the ball in the final third occasionally, and ultimately we did manage to turn the game around with one of those times. So yeah, you're um, right. That, that that is what's important is that we did turn it around. I think I think like. I thought I was quite impressed by Blackpool in that, those thirty minutes, except I have to say their defending was awful from the word go i thought they they were just lumping it directly upwards several times and they looked like they were an accident waiting to happen for next christmas harley you need a pair of socks with some t-rexes on them because you are the ultimate football dinosaur <laughs> you your dislike of xg infuriates me greatly but anyway i'll move i on. refuse to understand it so um my con from the game is is Amos' performance, uh, which is slightly harsh, I think, because obviously he was out of position again. Um, so I'm not so much slagging off his performance, but just I think that for the first time he looked really uncomfortable out there. And before Saturday's game, I kind of thought, well, maybe we can muddle through with him playing out there until the summer. And then when he came up against a really a good player, to be fair, Keshi Anderson for Blackpool, who got a lot of pace and trickery and I thought he had he was running rings around him really for well certainly for the first half an hour or so and I thought Aimer looked really yeah just I don't know unsure of himself and a bit lost out there so I think that after watching that I'd be um, more keen on us to sign someone to a, a natural right back to go out there than I was before that game um, I mean to be honest I'm scraping the barrel because there wasn't too much to moan about but yeah I would probably say his performance at right back was my con um, so let's move on to the pros then, the good bits. Harley, give me your pro from the match, please. Well, I, I can't kind of on the same lines as what we were discussing a second ago. My pro is that we 
for the first time in a long time, I think, look like we can stamp a bit of authority on a game, take control of a game and actually, you know, create chance after chance after chance. We we looked really dominant in the start of the second half and it's not the first time this season under Tisdale we've seen that. Now, I stress under Tisdale because even when we beat Lincoln under Garner, we didn't have that kind of dominant force to ourselves, I don't think. But it's, it's the first time in in honestly many years and even further than that really that I can remember us genuinely looking like player for player we are a dominant force and that sounds ridiculous for a team that is in our position I I appreciate that if anyone from another side was listening they'd be laughing me off the podcast at this moment but I honestly think that we look like a bloody decent side when we get going and we're moving in the right direction to to actually play that expansive and dominating attacking football that we were promised that Garner would give us that he very much did not. Okay, what about you, Max? Yeah, I agree with what Harley said. It, we always said that the players we signed were good and it was a good squad on paper um, and we just maybe needed a better manager to get the best out of them. And and, and my pro is pretty much on a similar um train of thought to to Harley's and that the chance creation second half and the attitude second half was brilliant we came out there and obviously Tisdale had said to them you know 2-1 we didn't play well first half but somehow we've got two goals go out there and get 3-4 and we looked so hungry not just in attack but in defense we were you know bull terriers at the back um Kilgore had probably his best game I think I've seen him have uh, won everything in the air was completely dominant JVS made saves when he needed to, um, especially towards the end under e- extreme pressure. So man for man, like you were saying, Harley, I just thought everyone showed up second half and we looked pretty comprehensive. Um, and in the end, we were good value for our win. Um, I know it probably should have been 3-3 or 4-3 to someone with the, the quality of the chances both sides created, but I think we deserve to win on the balance of it. And that's, a, that's as good as a con as I can really give. That was your pro, pro, wasn't it? That was a pro. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. Um, So moving on to my pro then. And I mean, mine kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in that I kind of spun the first half into a positive because we weren't playing great. Uh, We weren't creating a lot at all. Um, But we still managed to get two goals out of nowhere and go into halftime ahead. And to me, that's quite a shift for this team um, under Garner when it felt like in order for us to score a goal under Garner we had to be playing really well for a sustained period and making lots of chances I mean hence the fact we could hardly score under him because we never played like that really but we didn't really ever just cling into a game and score out of the blue under Garner we always had to be on top and making chances and and be the dominant side so for me I think it's actually a really positive thing that we've got the the quality and the, I don't know, like the mental resilience, I guess, in the team to be able to be under the cosh for a large period, but still be able to produce moments of quality out of the blue and sort of completely turn the game in our favour. Yeah, scoring under Garner felt like a chore at times, didn't it? It felt like an uphill battle. Whereas when you're creating chances, um, good chances that, you know, require quality, don't, don't require like quality wonder strikes to finish. Um, you're laughing really and Tisdale's got us doing that so it's happy days yeah agreed so let's uh, have a little closer look at the game in detail then Uh, and I just want to start by having a quick look at the 11 that we had out for this one which for anyone who can't remember was JVS in goal Aimer, Kilgore, Baldwin, Leahy back four 
Upson, McCormick, Westbrook and Ostema in the midfield diamond and then Hanlon and Nicholson up front. Um, Max, so my question is, how close do you think that 11 is to being the strongest that we have from our current squad? Um, yeah, obviously, um, the goalkeeper is, is, a, is a question mark. JVS is our backup keeper. I know he had a good game, um, but for every good game, he has a dodgy game and you can't really afford to have a 50-50 goalkeeper um, where he's going to be one or the other, um, depending what day it is. You kind of need a consistent keeper. So definitely that. Um, and I would agree with you earlier. Uh, I thought Aimer had his first questionable game at right back. And I don't think we can rely on him to be consistent in that position either. We, I think we need not just uh, in the short term, but in the long term, a quality starting right back who is, quali- who is um, better than what we've got. I think Josh Hare is too attacking. He's not really comfortable in that in a flat back four. Little's constantly injured. And Rodman, who's our other option, is not even a right back. He's a right winger. So I think we need a natural right back who's going to come in and, and has played games at this level and can improve us. Um, where that leaves Aimer, I'm not sure. But um, in terms of a strongest 11, I think the uh, Baldwin and Kilgore partnership has been good. Um, Leahy has been pretty good under Tizel, if I'm honest. Um, and yeah, the midfield, I don't think we've really missed Grant in the past couple of games either. So for me, that is our strongest 11 apart from goalkeeper and right back. Okay, fair enough. So, um, I mean, as we've said a few times, Blackpool were obviously well on top for the first period of the game and they took the lead in the 10th minute through Gary Medine. Uh, I mean, a strange bit of defending from Leahy in the build-up to this one because Westbrook had half cleared a ball into our box and it was heading out for a throw-in, but instead of letting it go out, he decided to sort of scramble across to keep it in, gave it straight to a backball player who scored, uh, sorry, who crossed it in for Medine to tap it in. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great cross and finish to be fair, but debatable defending, it has to be said. Um, Max, talking of Leahy and the left-back spot in general, a question from Ryan who asks, where does Tutonda fit in at present, being a bit of a forgotten man since Tisdale took over? Yeah, I mean, he was kind of dropped pretty quickly by Ghana, wasn't he, after he had two or three really good performances um, from his debut onwards. And then his levels kind of dropped. Um, I think he had a couple of um, anonymous performances um, after that, and then has kind of vanished off the face of the earth. I guess if if Tisdale rated him, he'd be playing him. Um, if he rated him over Leahy, but he clearly doesn't. Um, and the coaching staff have obviously had an input on that as well. There's also the question of experience. Leahy's played a lot of games at this level now. Um, and for me, yeah, he did make a little bit of a mistake, but that the quality of that cross and the finish were tremendous, really. Um, like Richard Walker at Wembley, I thought. Yeah, it was very much like that, yeah. So, I don't know. He he did what he thought was right to try and uh, start a counter attack. It didn't pay off, and we obviously got punished. But that's football, you know. It's a game of fine margins sometimes. I think Leahy generally under Tisdale has been good, and as per the who scored statistical ratings, he's our highest rated player this season on on his average uh, rating per game. So he's obviously doing something right. Um, and for me, I don't think he's making as many defensive mistakes as he did last season for us. So. Yeah, he's he's a strange one. He's out of contract in the summer, so we'd want to keep an eye on that situation. Are you still waiting for your Luke Leahy fan club pin badge to arrive in the post, Harley, or have you got it yet? 
Uh, yeah, of course, I've, it's arrived. And instead of putting it on my T-shirt, I put it like immediately into my skin directly because I really just never want to take it off. Um, no, on a serious note, I think, honestly, everyone's so harsh on Luke Leahy, except for, obviously, that was very nice of you, Max. Good compliments towards the main man himself. Um, I don't know why. It almost seemed like like Ghana was so obsessed with bringing in young talent with potential that he wasn't willing for Luke Leahy to be a good player. Like it's all, he was almost obsessive about the fact that the player had to be an emphatically fast uh, attacking wing back. But Leahy's been good for us. I think he, he came with bad reviews from Warsaw, but I think he's just one of those players that got played in a team that was awful and got exploited for it. I think the guy's good. I really rate his kind of close passing and his possession football. I think he's really technical on the ball. Now, he's not going to burst past a man and whip it in dangerously every time. His crossing's pretty good. And like I say, playing those triangles and and the way we play with Aimer on the other side, to be honest, um, I think he fits in with that nicely. So I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, his his triangles and his short passing are brilliant. And I think the problem with him in the past two seasons has been that he's played as a wing back um, Mm -hmm. without anything ahead of him. So he's kind of got that entire channel in front of him with no real support um, to kind of build an attack. And he often loses the ball trying to to go forward with it. And he's hardly got anything inside to kind of play off Um, and no cover either when he's being attacked. It's quite often that he got ganged up on two on one. So I think in a flat back four, even though Warsaw fans said, don't play him in a back four, that's where he's because his defending is dreadful. I think he's improved. He must have improved since his Warsaw days because since being in a flat back four, I don't really, I, don't, I can't really recall many times that he's been beaten by like a winger or or, or done, you know, or, or made a slip up or a mistake. I think he's just been an okay League One left back. Yeah, I think, like you said, he was playing left wing back, and people used to hammer him for getting caught out of position when he was playing left wing back and for teams counter-attacking us and getting in behind him because he had gone far up the pitch to get a crossing or support the attack or whatever and they'd counter and get him behind. But I mean, that's always going to happen when you're playing wing-backs. It doesn't matter whether it's Leahy or Kyle Walker or whoever. Like They're going to go up the pitch and attack because that's their job as a wing-back and there's no one behind them because obviously that's the system that there isn't anyone behind them. So you're always going to get that. It's just a sort of vulnerability of the system rather than of him as a player. Um, so yeah, I think that he was unfairly... Uh, hammered by some of the fan base when he used to play there but um, yeah so anyway after taking the lead Blackpool had a few half chances to extend it through the likes of Kemp, Yates and Anderson before I mean out of nowhere really Rovers made it 1-1 through Brandon Hanlon and I mean there was nothing particularly sophisticated about the build-up it was a big JVS punt upfield uh, which was miscontrolled by Blackpool's centre-back who gave it to Ostuma and the mini Turk fed it to Nicholson, who played Hanlon in on goal to calmly beat the keeper. Uh, so, Max, do you think that this goal is kind of an illustration of how well we're mixing our play up under Tisdale? Because I feel like um, before he came in, the keeper would have been instructed to just roll it out so that we could play out from the back instead of going route one up the pitch like we did here. Not sure. Like, under Garner, I felt like we regressed quite a lot when, when we were under pressure, we panicked and played it long. Um, under Tisdale, it definitely seems a bit more tactically focused to play down those channels a bit, a bit longer because there seems to be a much higher success rate with it. Um, the goal in question, which you just talked about for me was just like the most standard goal you see in football. 
attacking mid wins it, gives it to striker, two strikers versus three defenders, and the striker's made a wide run, fed in, and then finishes from a wide angle. It's it's a standard. I'm pretty goal. sure Handon was offside, mind. Uh, I don't know. I thought so as well. Did you? I've watched it so many yeah, times, yeah. I think he was offside. Anyway, yeah. yeah. We'll take it. Good job we haven't got VAR in League One, that's all I'll say. Um, so Harley I mean I made the mistake of looking on the forum on Saturday night to see a few Rovers fans saying that they haven't been very impressed with Hanlon since he joined uh, and one of those forum members might have been Gashead 0565347 yeah yeah rolls off the tongue um, who's asked whether you'd trade Hanlon to Oxford for Matty Taylor I mean I'm not even sure where to begin with that one to be honest but um, what have you made of Brandon's performances so far overall have you been impressed with him He's, I don't think Saturday was his best game, to be honest. I mean, I don't think that's harsh to say, given those misses in the second half. Um, but at the same time, that finish was really tidy. And that's exactly what you want to see from your striker. You know, you, you get that one chance and you stick it in the bottom corner. And you have to say as well that whilst he did miss those, those chances in the second half, had he not scored that chance, we'd be, we'd be looking at a very different situation now, I think. So... He's, he's one of the better strikers we've had over recent years. I think that people are a bit over-complimentary of him at times. Um, I think for me, he's still got a lot to prove, um, but is showing potential. And as far as a strategy goes, I'm happy to have a young player with potential. I'm happy to give him the chance to play games in order to kind of get into it. The guy scores goals. I don't quite see him as the, as the shining light that a few do, though. Do you think he, he's, I guess we're naturally going to compare him to JCH though, because he's kind of who he came in to replace as such. And I kind of so think he's different. never going to win that battle, is he? Like, mm, he's, uh, he's just so different. That's the thing. I mean, they're completely mm. different types of striker. And I think that's that's been a problem for a lot of things we've done here, really, is that we've got certain types of players that are quite, niche that you can't really compare with others and like i don't really have a point with this to be honest basically i mean i think comparing to jch no i mean max and i were chatting before um before we started recording about hanlon and saying that this is the first season where he's playing through the middle as an out and out striker because he's always played out wide for gillingham and i think you can kind of tell that from the way that pretty much every time the ball goes up to him his first instinct is to turn and try and run at a man and beat a man rather than just hold it up and wait to give it to Ostuma, Westbrook, Nicholson, whatever, one of the supporting players. He always gets it, spins, and tries to run at someone, and most of the time loses it. And what he just needs to do is learn that probably you can only do that one in every four times or so to keep the defence on their toes, and the rest of the time, you just mm. need to do the boring thing, really, of holding it up and giving it off to someone else and then making a run from there. I mean, but these I guess are the things you get from game time, isn't it? It's these yeah. things you have to... You have to be told and I kind I backed Tisdale to to spot these things and get it over to him I mean he's supposed to be a good coach right so that that's his job I think the other thing with the praise that comes for Hanlon is the fact that he's 23 um, and he's scored eight goals so far for us um, probably should be nine or ten with some of the chances he's missed this season um, when you kind of think we've not even played half of our fixtures He's kind of on course to score between 15 and 20, which for a 23-year-old at League One level who's never played centre-forward before, I think it's more the potential that people are getting excited about because 
he's having a good season. Um, and for a young lad who we brought in on a fee, he's on a three-year deal. If he carries on as he is, he's going to be a big asset for us. Um, and maybe next season, he's going to be one of the better strikers in the league. So I think there's a lot of excitement around him and I don't necessarily think it's unwarranted. I agree right now, I don't think he's the complete forward for us, but he's definitely a player who... I am probably the most excited about in the squad because just simply because of his age and how well he's doing um, in an unfamiliar um, position where he's got no experience. So yeah, fingers crossed his trajectory can continue because if it does, he's going to be um, a, a, one of the top strikers in the league, I'd hope. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, Brandon made it one all, And then just two minutes later, Nicholson does what he does, transforms into the Midlothian Messi and spanks a chest-high volley into the top corner. Um, I mean, Harley, I'm already running out of superlatives for this bloke, to be honest. He's just, I mean, he's just a joke. It, I, I don't think I could lift my leg that high, to be honest with you. I've, I literally think I put my back out just watching it. It was, it was a hell of a goal. And I think, I really wish that the keeper had moved because it just made it look really odd to watch. Um, I don't really know what that dreadful Walker thought he was doing in goal, to be honest. But it, it seemed like it just seemed like one that most players wouldn't have even tried to attempt to to kick, let alone bang it casually in the top corner. So um, it's nice to have players in the team at the moment, like I said before, that that have that attacking ability. Um, how many times have we brought players down from Scotland and they've ended up being absolutely naff? I mean, I had written the guy off. <laughs> Derek Ryden. The, <laughs> and then Gavin Riley and all those, you know, I mean, you know, Gavin Riley could put the ball in the net when he had one chance in 50 or something. But honestly, I just had absolutely no hope for him. But it's a great example at the moment of us actually spotting players that are decent and I'm just I'm, I'm overwhelmingly positive about all the players, but Sam Nicholson is class. I don't I think I think as with any winger type flair player, you're going to have inconsistencies, and you've got to kind of take those on the chin when they do come. But he seems to be getting better, if anything, every game. He'll have bad games because that's what these players do. But very happy to have him here, and you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves either because he you know needs to keep that consistency up, and and then. He'll he'll go on to bigger and better things, no doubt about it, because he's he's got that talent. It's clear to see. The only thing I disagree with you on there is that I'm a big fan of a goal where the keeper doesn't move. I'm a big big fan of that because it happens so rarely that when it does happen, it just means that the keeper's just like oh, I'm never getting that. What's even the point? I think like the perfect part is that the keeper moves, but doesn't get a hand to it at all like that's what i want to see i want to see no touch but an attempted touch so you want to see a dive but just a failed dive yeah i want to see like like an like a really dramatic dive that just misses but not too like not like under the ball because then you look like you've made a mistake you need to like not reach it because it's gone so far in the corner which had he tried to jump he would have made that happen so ideally someone with photoshop or skills like that could could make this happen for me because I believe you I believe both of you have those skills oh yeah actually I could big big question is which is better when the keeper doesn't move or when the keeper gets a hand to it hits the inside of the bar but it doesn't do enough and then it goes in anyway so you have like save bar and in because it's just so well placed that it's just just out of reach for the keeper to to get anything decent on it I think those are my favorite kind of saves I was um at Christmas I was watching Own Goals and Gaffs with, with Beth. Classic. And uh, she said she used to watch it 
without Best choice, it. clearly. I it it, well, it actually was. That's the funny thing. So um, I watched, watched own goals and gaffes. And I'll tell you what trumps all of those is when a goalkeeper makes an emphatic dive, but it hits the post and then hits him on the back like, and then goes oh, in. Yeah. It's like, like the own goal from hell. Yeah, Westbrook scored one of those the other week, didn't he, against Leighton Orient? Yeah, 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 of course he did, yeah. Yeah, I like that, for banter effects, of course. But you can't consider that Westbrook's goal, surely. That's, uh, He's hit a free kick from 30 yards, and it's, it's hit the post, hit the keeper, and gone in. So It was given as an own goal, though, goal. wasn't it? It's an OG, it's an OG. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, Max, I mean, we are in January now. Dare I even ask if you think there'll be clubs sniffing around Nicholson this early and there's no. a danger of us losing him? No, I, you very rarely, if ever, see a player move six months after signing for a club. Um, you know, they've just moved, they've just settled, they've got their family there. Um, I, I actually can't recall a single time that's happened to us, let alone to, to anyone else. It's, it's, it's usually a year at least, isn't it? A full season. Um, before that happens unless it's like a short contract um, we've got him on a two year um, I don't think we have the option of a third I don't think that was mentioned when he signed so um, yeah I kind of want to get him to to get him around the table and sign an extension because he's one of those that you know has quality um, he's kind of establishing himself in the league this season and then next season he's probably going to have an absolute blinder and then by January he'll only have six months left and he'll go for pennies like Bowden did so yeah, I just I really hope the club can show a bit of uh, intent if he carries on as he is and nail him down in the summer for another year or two. Um, that would show really good ambition. Uh, and I think we've done that this summer with Kilgore and um, Yukola, so hopefully we can do it again with Sammy because he's definitely one of our best players. The only time I can remember of a permanent signing leaving within six months of joining is um, when Rock v. Bold Vincent left within, what was it, two days? I think it was uh, five days. I actually saw him play. I went to um, Poulton, pre-season friendly. Harley was going to come with me, but he bottled it. Um, And Rogvi played uh, in a back three with Virgo and Kenneth. The absolute dream back three. (laughs) Can you imagine that? My God, that is is just ridiculous, isn't it? League two wasn't ready for that, were they? They were not ready. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So, Max, let's try and pull it back to Nicholson. Um, very different goals, obviously, but where are you ranking that one against Blackpool compared to his more solo efforts against AFC and Rochdale? Um, oh, I love the solo efforts. The Wimbledon one's tremendous. Just the the skill to beat two players, run that far with the ball and then pull the trigger and get it on target um, and pass the goalkeeper is, is, you know, you can't buy it. He's gold dust. Um, and I'm really enjoying the variety in his goals now. Um, he's showing that he's got all different kinds of tricks. He's got a good range of technical ability. Um, if he'd scored that one against Wigan as well, you kind of said, well, he's dribbled around the keeper and slotted it in as well. So he's kind of got a bit of everything. Um, and that makes him a very difficult player to defend against. So yeah, all of his goals and the range and variety he's showing are impressing me. Um, if he's on course to score 10 this season, that's that's good enough for me for a player who's not played in League One before and is, is kind of finding his feet at a new club. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, the gas went into the break, 2-1 up. Um, and, I mean, God knows what Tisdale said to the boys in the changing rooms at halftime because, as we said earlier, Rovers came absolutely flying out of the blocks and just missed chance after chance after chance to kill the game. So, I mean, there was an absolutely mad five-minute spell where 47 minutes, Hanlon missed the penalty, 
48 minutes, Hanlon missed an absolute sitter from that Leahy cross. I have no idea how he didn't score that. Um, 50 minutes, Westbrook with a pretty weak shot from six yards out. 51 minutes, Nicholson had a shot save from close range. And then 10 minutes later, Leahy hit the bar from a corner. Um, yeah, God knows how we didn't make it 3-1 in that period. Um, going back to Westbrook, though, quickly, I think he's interesting because I don't really recall us talking about him that much, specifically since he'd signed. And when he did sign, he came in with a lot of fanfare from, I mean, pretty much the whole fan base and us lot in particular, I think. We're really big on him signing and quite excited about it. And um, yeah, we've just not really talked about him that much. So I'm interested to hear... I'll start with you, Harley, just what you've kind of made of him so far, whether you think we're seeing the best of him yet and what you think he adds to the team, etc. I've always liked him, to be honest, even when you were absolutely berating him in the WhatsApp group. I, I really liked him from the word lies. I think he's he's got that touch of class, hasn't he? He's different to Aussie, who's, who's just honestly the best player I've ever watched in my life. Um, Westbrook's just got that that he's just got that ability to play a pass and to take the game forward. And I think he was just in a, I just think he wasn't being played right at the start, but now Tisdale's got him playing in the right way. He, he makes a huge difference connecting that, you know, bringing the ball forward and playing it into the, the players that can do real damage in the final third. And it's just crazy to, to look at a player like that playing for Rovers now, to be honest, because he's just so technically gifted and, we just don't get those normally. You know, I'm a big fan of all the passionate players we've had and they've worked wonders for us over the years, but this guy is, is proper quality. I think he uses it and he'll have bad games as well, but I think he's better defensively than he's given credit for as well. You know, he does, does put in the tackles when needed and get back and I just love him. Go on, respond to it. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if he puts in tackles, really. I think he's absolutely abysmal off the ball. He makes more but... than I thought he would, to be honest. I definitely see them. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Max, you sent me an absolutely filthy Westbrook stat on WhatsApp earlier. What was it? Ugh, I thought you would have had it up. It was um, something about key passes, was it, for a centre-mid <laughs> yeah, in League One? That's right, yeah. So it's basically um, all the pl- all the key passes for all of the games so far totaled. He's top of our, our entire squad with 32 key passes so far. And the next is Hare with 15, less than half of the key passes that Westbrook makes. Um, he's averaging 2.2 key passes per game. Um, next is Oztuma with 1.8 per game. He's obviously been here less time. Um, but yeah, he just creates good chances. Um, people may not see them. The key pass isn't always like a through ball to put someone through on goal. It can be, it can be a ball that kind of puts us in a good area with, with good p- players in good positions. Um, and it kind of just he's he's in that kind of role where when he was playing with Grant in a, in a two, we weren't really getting the best out of him because he's kind of having to do the dirty work more. Now we're kind of playing Upson and McCormick and giving him a bit more freedom. We're seeing the best out of him because he really does, like you were saying, Harley, kind of connect everything. He knits with everything his, together. Yeah, doesn't with it? like one touch football, he keeps it moving quick, and that's kind of really integral to the way we want to play. It makes such a, a negative difference when you have a player in that position who has to take a touch and turn before they can play that pass. Westbrook has got really good positional awareness. He knows where everyone is on the pitch, and he just threads it all together so neatly. And on top of that, he's got really good technical ability. We've seen him nutmeg players on many an occasion. Yeah, his oh, crossing. that bit of skill he did on the wing. <laughs> Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, I've seen it in slow motion. Oh. It was 
God. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's a shame his crossing's pretty pretty rubbish, but he's not a winger, so um, I'm uploading I'm not... that to Pornhub later. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty filthy. Um but yeah, he's just he's got really good class, like you said, Harley. He uses it and at the age of twenty three, um on a three year contract, he's only gonna get better and better, you'd think. Um and he's turning into be the kind of player who Tisdale likes to develop and he's hopefully gonna turn into be a key player for him. I also think he's a little bit of an easy target in the way because um, because of his sort of style. He's quite lanky. He, he reminds me a little bit of Linesy when he was here the first time in the, you know, he's never going to charge around the pitch like a Sinclair or a go-go. He's never going to go flying into tackles. He sort of strolls around. Even when we're under massive pressure in a game, he doesn't break into a sweat or seem to overexert himself he's just kind of strolling around the pitch getting the ball giving it looking you know fancy on the ball and stuff and I kind of think that that makes him a bit of an easy target for fans to sort of look at him and go he's not trying hard enough when really I think that's probably just how he is really and you know every player is different and I just think that's how what his style is like um yeah so moving on uh so from from the 61st minute when Leahy hit the bar to the 96th minute when the full-time whistle blew Rovers didn't register another shot and it was very much backs to the wall defending from the gas to see the game out with a few big saves from JVS thrown in there as well uh so Max to be honest I had planned to ask you about JVS's performance here and whether you'd seen enough from him to make you think that we can get by without signing a keeper uh, and then literally 15 minutes before we were about to record, Rovers announced the loan signing of Joe Day from Cardiff. So, thoughts on Joe Day? Um, I think it was it's a very needed signing. Um, not to take anything away from Geordie, who I think has stepped up when he's needed to. Um, but Geordie is, like I said earlier, he's a Jacqueline and Hyde kind of keeper. You don't know. What, what what version of him is going to show up um, if he's going to have a howler or, or a good game and judging by the press report Ansi's out for could be two weeks could be eight weeks could be 12 weeks it's like they say that the nature of his injury is hard to determine um, so I think it's given how many games we've got in January and February it's an extraordinary amount of games midweek and on Saturdays I think another keeper was a must and in Joe Day you've got a keeper who was probably the best keeper in League Two uh, season before last for Newport. Was tipped for a move to League One. Several League One clubs were in for him and then moved to Cardiff where he's been third choice keeper. Quite a strange decision from a career point of view, but from a money point of view, you can understand it. Went on loan last season back to League One. Didn't have as many minutes as maybe he he should have had. Um, And is obviously chomping at the bit to get minutes now, um, having come into us. So I think we've got a player who was top of his game two years ago um, obviously as League One quality um, and I think really you can't really ask for much more than that for a player who's probably going to come in and just cover for two months while Ansi's out so yeah happy with it to be honest yeah fair enough so as I said it was back to the wall defending from Rovers for the last 30 minutes or so and Kilgore was definitely one of the men at the heart of that heading and kicking everything away and throwing himself in front of the ball to block shots um, Harley, do you think that we're seeing Alfie return to somewhere near his best level again now? Alfie's probably one of the biggest examples of Ghana's failings, really, in that that was a player that had potential, was proving himself and doing really well, and had his development stunted for 
absolutely no reason whatsoever, really. I mean, I think our squad depth in that position is is arguably too much now, which is going to leave someone sold short eventually because Alfie's a great player. He's got the right attitude, which we all know is a massive thing about being a footballer, right? Um, They've got to have the right attitude and you know he's going to be listening. You know he's going to be fighting for every ball listening to instruction and just generally rallying the troops. He's a, he's definitely got the potential to be a Rovers captain. I'll be astounded if he isn't the next Rovers captain. And at, at one point at the start of this season, I honestly thought, I remember people talking about losing him for a fee eventually. And at the start of this season, I was thinking, I don't think he's even going to make it here anymore because I honestly just didn't see him getting back in that team. But Alas, he's straight back in. Tisdale's getting the best out of him. And he's getting the best out of himself, I don't doubt, because he's fought back. He must have been so frustrated to be dropped out of the team in his what second season as a, as a proper first-teamer. So glad to see him back. Hope he goes from strength to strength. I don't think Alfie should be, should be out of the lineup, to be honest. I think with uh, players who come in through the youth team, um, they often get second season syndrome where they've come into the team in the first season. They're buzzing to be part of that first team setup and they, they just go guns blazing and impress everyone. And you saw it with Ellis when he started um, on the wing in League Two and it was lighting it up for us. And the second season as a striker, when he kind of put on a bit of mass, he, he struggled. And I, that was what I was kind of fearing with Alfie. Um, especially when we switched to a back three, I thought his rawness was being exposed his technical abilities, which I think are more limited than other centre-backs, were kind of um, exploited by other teams and it didn't suit him at all, the back three. Um, and I actually disagree with you, Harley. I don't think his development's been stunted at all by this. I think if anything, it's helped him. Um, it's made him realise his... Um, and helped the coaching team realise his weaknesses and what he needs to work on going forwards. And it's kind of given him the drive now, now he's back in the team, to kind of stay there and fight for it. Um, and I think that hunger is important. I'm never doubting that Alfie's hungry to play for the club, but sometimes a reality check can really make a big difference for a player. Um, and I think, and I hope this is really going to help Alfie kick on um, developing alongside Baldwin where he can learn a lot. I think that the the main difference I've noticed with um, with Kilgore, more, probably more so than any other player since Tisdale's come in, is that he just seems to have kind of simplified his game for him. I think that under Garner, um, the whole thing about all the players having to be, the defenders having to be technically good and be able to pass out from the back and play it into a midfielder, I think that seemed to really sort of mess with Kilgore's head and make him doubt himself at times and he'd get himself caught in situations where his natural reaction was to just clear it up the line, but then he remembered that he's meant to pass it out. So he'd end up doing some pirouette and tripping over the ball or giving it a, a bad pass away or something. And I think now you look at him and he's just kind of gone back to basics really. And if he thinks the best thing to do is clear up the line, then he does it. And if he thinks the best thing is to play a pass, then he does it. I think that Tisdale's basically just said to him, head it and kick it away, just defend the box. And then when you're on the ball, do whatever you think's best at the time and go from there. And I just think that the whole game's become a lot easier for him. Uh, so yeah, it's good management. Um, so I do actually want to just move on to a bit of a Tisdale chat because the man who came in to replace Ben Garner in November has taken charge of nine gas games now, uh, winning five, drawing one at Wigan and losing three. And I really hope that Ben's not listening to this. If you are, Ben, then maybe just stop listening now because David's not a man for sitting on the fence and he's asked us, 
how do you feel having a competent manager has affected our season? Um, so, I mean, Harley, it's fair to say that a lot of Rovers fans were sceptical of Tisdale's appointment at the time, us lot included, I think. But nine games in, what are you making of the job that he's doing so far? I think he's absolutely transformed the side, to be honest. I, I don't think I'm even being... Over, I don't think I'm exaggerating there. I think in his first couple of games, I genuinely think he had a complete excuse. Like that Swindon game was awful, but what was the guy going to do? It was far too early. As he told us, he'd only been there two weeks. But um, since since he basically got a, got a single performance out of us in that Wimbledon response to Gillingham, which was crisis time, really. That was, everyone was, you know, you go in, I'm sure everyone had their own WhatsApp group going where they were raging about the fact that we were going down. I must have read about seven gas heads that night say we were 100% relegated and we need to start rebuilding. Um, but since that, not only did he get a response in a tough situation, it's consistent. And I completely 100% ignore the MK Dons game in its entirety. I, I literally refuse to accept that it even happened because I just think with the, with the players we had out, the situation with our training, lack of training, I should say, it's just a, just a complete and utter chaotic game. But I think we've, we've shown that we're willing to play that expansive controlling football that we've been trying to make. Yes, there'll be times in the game, 30 minutes here and there where we lose control. Ultimately that happens, but I've seen such a transformation and the fact there's a transfer window coming up as well. You know, I think, I think he's the right man for it. I really do. And I I don't want to be harsh, but you know, Ghana was clearly just completely and utterly out of his depth. Uh, I really did wonder whether the board had pulled the plug too early, but I think, everyone behind the scenes is completely right. The guy clearly didn't have a clue what he was doing um, because this is a good squad of players. He's been, he was backed and the recruitment has been good. He just didn't know what the bloody hell he was doing. <laughs> okay. So what about you, Max? Are there any parts of Tisdale's management that have impressed you particularly so far? Yeah, definitely his man management. Um like we said, he's getting the best out of individuals, simplifying their game and filtering out the nonsense in his own words. He he brought in his own man to filter out nonsense. So something about that is telling me that the coaching instructions to the players was baffling him. And he was obviously in a situation where he's thinking, what's going on at this club? Strip it back. Let's go to basics. Four at the back immediately and just play some basic football. We've got the tools to do it. We've got the players to do it. So let's go do it. And it's no surprise that he's getting wins from doing that. Um, I think we were all guilty, me particularly, of um, wanting Ben Garner to succeed too much. Um, I think aesthetically he talked a good game and we were all kind of enamoured by that initially. Um, And when all the signings happened in the summer, I was particularly kind of thinking, okay, now he's got the tools to do what he wants to do. Um, I'm really on board with Garner. But it was just evident, you know, we just weren't anywhere near at the races for, for the longest time. Um, and you know, David's right. He's wasn't a competent manager at all. Not, not from a tactical point. He was too stubborn. He wouldn't change things up. Um, not from a man managing point, as we talked about with Kilgore, um, nothing about him kind of stood out to me as, as a, as a manager with, with the potential to, to go somewhere. I'm hope, hopefully I'm proven wrong. Hopefully Ben can find a job somewhere where he, he, he does kind of learn from his mistakes here and, and build himself a good career. But 
you know, the difference between him and Tisdale is is chalk and cheese. It's night and day. It's it's so so much better under Tisdale. And you know, we've gone from a side who I was convinced were going down to a side who I'm pretty confident will be mid table. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I was against the appointment. I thought there were much better options out there. I wanted Nigel Atkins, but you know, maybe what we needed was just someone who's been there, done it, has lots of experience, and can just get us playing simple football because. The players are good enough. Simple as. Yeah, so personally, something that's really converted me to Team Tiz is that his in-game management, I think, is just absolutely levels above what we were experiencing in the 12 months before. Um, the Blackpool game is actually quite a good example of that because in his post-match press conference, he said, um, I wouldn't say we had a sluggish start, but tactically we had a slow start. We changed our pattern about 10 to 15 minutes into the game and it made a difference. So well done to the players for taking the slight changes on board. Um, and then Frosty and his piece for Bristol Live kind of built on that and said that essentially for the first part of the game, we were trying to play through Blackpool's high press, not doing it very well, playing ourselves into trouble. And the change that Tisdale made was to basically tell the players to go a bit longer, hit it down the channels, hit it up to Hanlon and play off him and just completely go over their press essentially and not let ourselves be pressed when our defence has got it. And um, I think you could tell that we grew into the game doing that and we kind of scored our first goal from just going long and playing off the sort of bits and pieces that happened when their defender made a mistake. And you compare that to us under Ghana when we'd be under pressure in games at times, well, a lot of, a lot of the time, and just nothing would change. You know, he'd make a like-for-like like sub or at most... Um, there was no change of style. He wouldn't change the formation. It was just everything would stay the same. So for Tisdale to see something so early on isn't working and make a change and for it to have an effect is um, really promising. And it's funny you say that because Tisdale, I've noticed, just doesn't seem to make substitutes either. And yet you're acknowledging that he is making changes that make a difference. And that's pretty powerful, really, isn't it? I mean, you can understand the difference when you're you're in need of a goal and you put three strikers on and it comes off, you know, that's a bit of a gamble. But what he's actually doing is getting a message across to the mentality of the players, if anything, like the ability for them to start to put that authority into the game. That's that's more than just a, a football coach thing, you know. That's that's like a mentality thing and it's it's pretty impressive. I've 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 thought that we've improved in every game that we've been been sluggish in especially even that mk don's game that for the next 10 seconds we're going to acknowledge exists um the second half we came out a lot better after being absolutely pasted in the first so whatever he's doing definitely makes an impact it's funny you should say about the mentality actually because i've got a couple of quotes here from after the game from the two goal scorers um Hanlon said, we've done a lot of hard work on the training ground and I feel like we've got a better mentality now. Even going 1-0 down, we still knew it was early and that we could still win the game. So I feel like that's been put into us and you can see it on match days. And then the other goal scorer, Nicholson, said, we had the right mentality after we went 1-0 down. We weren't disappointed or blaming anyone. We were staying positive. We were on the pitch to get the three points. That was our goal and we had the right mentality to do that. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that as well as the sort of tactical simplification he's done of the team if you like he's obviously done a lot of work on just the mindset of the players and keeping them positive and drilling it into them that if you go a goal down early on doesn't really matter because there's still 80 minutes left to get back in the game that's a lot of time and as we saw you can score two goals in football within a couple of minutes so 
Um, and it felt like under Ghana, we'd concede a goal and the whole world would fall apart, basically. So it's just a massive difference. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to completely skip over the fact that MK Dons happened because I just don't care, really. And I don't think anyone else does. Um, so we're going to move on to the visit of Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Uh, Sheffield United, who currently are the Premier League whipping boys, um, so they're prime FA Cup upset candidates. Harley, I mean, roll on round four, surely. These jokers are there for the taking, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, you could never predict a game like this, can you? Let's be honest. But as far as a draw goes, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, you know, we, we didn't play them that long ago in the league, so it's not a glamour tie by any stretch. But I think what we're all after, really, is to progress as far as we, as we can. Uh, before we get that glamour tie. And I think this has huge giant killing potential. Huge. Um, I think we've got a good chance if we go out there and play at our best consistently and they play, well, to be honest, if they have, they still have to be well, well below their even average for us to beat them because they have some good players. But Confident, we were just speaking about mindset. They're, they're going to be in a hole at the moment. They can't buy a win. But they'll be seeing it as an opportunity to get that first win. And I suspect they're going to put out a really strong side. Let's hope that we can go out and uh, put... Well, basically, let's hope we go out and get Wilder sacked. Okay, so Max, what would you do team selection-wise in this one? Would you go full strength or rest a few and prioritise the tough run of league fixtures that we have for the rest of this month? No, go strong, I would. I mean... It's it's um, it's 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 an enticing tie. I think it's, it's it really appeals to me because, like you said, it's going to be hard to predict. Um, it could be a really exciting one, or we could just get whipped three 0 by a Premier League side. Um, I think we've got nothing to lose. Like, go for it. See what happens. Put out a strong side. It's a Saturday game, so we've had a week to rest. Um, we'll probably hopefully get some more reinforcements in the next week or two. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game, actually. Probably more than I would a league game. I'm kind of intrigued to see how we do. It's going to be a good test for us. And yeah, there's no reason why we shouldn't just go for it and, um, you know, make one for the history books. A Premier League scalp, how often does that happen? With no fans. Great shame. <laughs> it would be a good game with fans there. Yeah, it definitely would. You're right. The main thing I'm looking forward to is I hope that McBurney and McCormick both start because I want to see which of them wears the smallest shin pads because they're both, they both wear sort of under nine shin pads <laughs> and I'd like to see which ones are smaller. Um, anyway, so score predictions, lads. Uh, Max, let's go for you. It's, like you said, it's such a tough one to predict, but I do think they will be looking for this as, as, as like um, a bedrock to kind of bounce back from. Um, and they're going to kind of want that first win so they can kind of build some kind of momentum. So I think they will go all out and the quality they've got should be enough to put us away. But I think we will have a good go at it. So I'm going to go 2-1 to Sheffield United. Are they? Are there, um, are there replays or does this, is this good decided question. on the day? I believe as far as I'm aware, the there aren't replays. I think they've scrapped replays this year. It'd be yeah. crazy to be doing replays, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll take a win on penalties for the gas then, 1-1 one, one in, in normal time. And then uh, after extra time, maybe, depending on what happens, um, we're sticking, Brandon Hanlon's going to score this penalty. Lovely okay. stuff. 
Lovely stuff. What about you, Ollie? So then let's finish with a few listener questions, as always. And I mean, Hang on, you can't make your prediction. Yeah, I just asked you, what's your prediction? You just been Oh, like, did you? Nah. All right. Um, so my prediction, I will go for uh, two nil Rovers. Blimey, big shout. Yeah, what's in big, that big water bottle? <laughs> big, big shout. Yeah, big shout. Um, so first question is from Joe Francis who says, if you could only sign one player this window, who would it be? Uh, Max, I'll come to you. So let's be realistic. Um, so we've got a keeper in. So we're probably after maybe a striker and a right back, apparently. So one player, who would you go for? Joe Pickett. Um, Joe I think Pickett. Wimbledon are slowly starting to slide down the table now. They've, they've had a bad run of form. Um, and he's a player who will not be wanting to play League Two next season. So I think it's a good opportunity maybe this January to poach a player who's who's done quite well at this level the past couple of seasons. I don't think he'd be too expensive and I don't think he'd be too heavy on wages. I don't think there's going to be any championship clubs in for him. So I think he's kind of an ideal move, really. Um, yeah, I think it, he's realistic and he'd be one who I'd like to put up front because he's a nasty piece of work. I think we need a little bit of nastiness to rotate with Brandon because um, Brandon's quite raw at times and just get someone up there who can maybe bully bully uh, defenders a bit more and, and score goals in, in the way that JCH did. Harley looks like he's Googling Joe Piggott as we speak. <laughs> I was just looking at his Wikipedia, but no, I am. Um, I, I, I knew it. I actually suggested Piggott in the, in the summer. So yeah, I'd, I'd be all guns for him to be fair, but over him, I'd pr- I would probably have Armand Nanjule. 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 Um, I'd have him over him to be fair. Um, I've always rated him every time I've seen him play against us. I think he's been a handful. Um, I've I've heard that we're linked, but that is, I think, EFL hub level of transfer rumours. So, you know, he's probably going to end up at a championship club. But given the current situation, he's just been released from a Turkish club. He obviously wants to come back to the, to England if we can um, show our potential, hopefully. Hopefully we can pull one off because I think he'd be a massive, a massive sign in, not just in stature, but I think he'd, he'd fit in pretty well with what we're trying to do. I think he scored 18 goals last time he was in um, League One in all competitions. So that's pretty big. And he left Blackpool because he was after a championship move. And I mean, who and knows? he got one in Turkey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell he was thinking there, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully his mistake is our gain. Indeed, yeah. So, I mean, following on from that, Harley, Weeksy, so you don't need to give me a name, but Weeksy has asked, what type of striker do we need? A completely different option in style to Hanlon so that we have a plan B or someone similar to him as backup? Big one. One of those big ones. I like those big strikers. Now, I think, um, you know, I think somewhere between the a younger and the Hanlon, right? Someone pretty big, capable of winning headers and and being the kind of powerhouse, but also with a turn of pace, um, so that it's not a complete change of tactic, if that makes sense. Um, also, someone a bit more experienced that can can kind of pass on some knowledge, you know, someone that's been there and done it. Because Hanlon is still young, and it's it's just good to have a bit of competition in that position, isn't there? And there's clearly none at the moment. Um, on that note, though, I do I do feel bad bringing in players because. I feel like we owe it to some of these younger players we've signed to give them game time so they can develop. And if if this guy comes, if we get another striker, a younger's unlikely to feature, you'd think. Mm. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with him when he's back to full fitness. Um, so a question from Chipstead Gas coming to you, Max. Which players would you happily drive to another club? So is there anyone in the current squad that you'd be willing to pay petrol money for to see the back of? Um, not really. I think I'd have said a few months ago, pretty much the whole squad other than Nicola, but now yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I would have said Upson and Leahy, but I think under Tisdale, he's kind of relied on them with their experience, and I think he's got the best out of them. Um, I think I don't think Upson's been remarkable. He's been pretty six out of ten, but that's better than he was. Um, and Leahy certainly has impressed me um, since Tisdale's come in. So yeah, it's hard to know. Um, I think Agogo's loan finishes um, this month for Dagenham, so he'll be um, coming back. And whether we ship him out or maybe give him a chance is, is a, an interesting one to keep an eye on maybe. Um, so we've got so many options. It's hard to know. I think Ben Liddle would probably, it doesn't look like he's going to feature. So I'd probably look to loan him out. Um, seems a strange signing Totonda isn't getting any game time, but he's only been here six months and I wouldn't look to loan him. So it, it's a hard one. Maybe just some loans for some players like Kelly, um, Lidl. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's not much I'd get rid of, really. Yeah, no, fair enough. So let's end the pod with this one from Paul Finch, who asks, what do you think 2021 will bring for the gas, both on and off the pitch? Harley Thorne. What do I think or what do I want? He says, what do you think? But I'm going to ask, what do you want? Because I think it's a better question. Sorry, Paul. Um... I, to be honest, I just want stadium news. Um, I think we've all kind of forgotten that that's a thing. Um, whether it is or not is another question, but I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that we'd hear something on that this year. Um, but also, given the the situation with the world at the moment, you'd think that if someone was playing hardball on the land that they owned, that they're probably now going to be a little bit more desperate for some... Uh, for a bit of money to come in. So I don't know. It feels like, feels like what we've done on the pitch is we've invested at a time when most clubs aren't investing and we've really made the most of a tough situation. Um, and fair play to the club for that. feels like we should go one better and do that with, uh, with this next bit as well. You know, um, stadium's vital. Um, and I won't actually won't ignore this. The other day when I was looking at the league table and our games in hand, I did actually count. I did have a look at how many points we were off the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I think I think if it wasn't for Ghana's absolute banter, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> I think we I think we'd be looking at, at being a competing side this year. So I want to see us go into next season. I want to see from the gas is for us to have started next season well and for us to have a new stadium at least being spoke about publicly. You want watertight contracts to have been signed? Absolutely. An actual watertight contract. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We should, get like, um, we should get like a former CEO of a construction company to be chairman or something so that, that those sort of things won't um, be overlooked. <laughs> yeah yeah there won't be any hiccups with that no. surely no you don't know that nick doesn't listen so if you do listen nick please just ignore that slight dig and uh make sure you subscribe on apple podcasts <laughs> and maybe sign up to be a patreon as well nick that would be lovely yeah absolutely. Um, and check out kahuna yeah. flooring <laughs> oh, of course yeah <laughs> you'd be a fool not to 
So, all right then. Well, a big thank you to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. And if you haven't already, then as we've just said, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving the pod a review on there because for reasons that I do not understand at all, these sorts of things massively help us out and are much appreciated. So take care, everyone. Stay safe and up the gas. Up the gas.